Awesome. Good afternoon, everybody. Good to see you all. Uh, you know, I know that you've just sat down, but there's a couple of things I want to do before I get into the message. Um, you know, uh, there's a great hurricane hanging, headed off the coast. That, uh, as of this morning, I haven't checked the news this mo- uh, since, but as of this morning, it was over northern Bahamas uh, and heading our way. And how many of you know that Jesus has given us power and authority? How many of you know that because of our position in Christ, we have the same Christ that spoke peace to the storm and it was stilled that resides in us and that authority we carry? And so what I would like us to do this morning, this afternoon now, is just to stand up briefly, if you would please. Turn and we'll face faith. We'll face the southeast, which is over that, pointing that way. And I want you all to just speak to that storm What we want is we want it to dissipate, turn back out to sea, not do any further damage in the Bahamas, and then turn out and not touch the United States at all. So let's make a declaration together. Lord, thank you for your authority, and we agree together, Lord, that we, and we command Hurricane Dorian to turn and move to the east and out back out into the ocean in the mighty name of Jesus. We say no more damage to be done, no damage in the Bahamas, no loss of life, and we command you to shift and to turn and to move back out now in the mighty name of Jesus. Kingdom of God, come. Shift. Now just lift up your own voices. Don't let me do all the talking. Um, Perfect. Kingdom of God, come. Move. Be still. We speak to the storm and we say, peace, be still in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The other thing that I just, uh, you can have a seat, but the other thing I just wanted to do, um, another uh, terrible event in Texas yesterday with uh, four people uh, killed and uh, 21, I think, uh, people injured in another shooting in uh, Midland and Odessa. So I just want to pray for them as well. Kingdom of God. Father, I thank you for your love. And Lord, we just pray for our nation. And we pray particularly for uh, Midland and Odessa and all those that have lost loved ones or loved ones have been injured, Lord. And we ask for your peace and your healing and your comfort to come to them, Lord Jesus. And God, we just stand before you, Lord, and we say that you are the hope of our nation. Lord, only you can bring hope. Lord, can, can, and we pray for our nation. We ask that you would heal our land, Lord, and that you would bring unity and you would bring peace, God, and that, that you would keep bring protection, Lord, that we would be able to enjoy our freedoms without fear from other people. And Lord, we just ask that you would move in power and in glory across the whole of the United States. Lord, we know, Lord, that it's only a move of the Spirit, uh, uh, Christians, life givers that are full of the power and the zeal and the passion and the love of of the Holy Spirit, being able to, with you, partner to transform culture, Lord, and that's what we're looking for for this nation, Lord, and we ask that you would move powerfully, and that it would be on earth, in this America, as it is in heaven, in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on. You know, we're called, as a church, to stand in authority. Jesus said he's going to give us the keys of the kingdom. There's a moment in 1 Samuel chapter 7 where uh, Samuel's offering uh, a sacrifice and the uh, Philistines are all around and about to invade the ancient Israelites and they're in fear. And so Samuel prays, he offers up sacrifices and he prays and and as he prays, the Philistine army is routed and, and, and God sends a hailstone and God moves on their behalf. You know, we have more authority than that because Christ is living on the inside of us. 
And Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bound, bind on earth would have been bound in heaven. And so we just, we declare that together in Jesus' name. You know, Ash, Ash last week preached on a wonderful, amazing message. And of course, in my humble opinion, I'm but I've heard others as well have said the same thing. That, you know, she preached a, a, a wonderful message. We've been on this series of looking at the love of God. And she preached on one of probably one of the most challenging and difficult things for us as, as a body, which is to love our enemies. And if you haven't heard that message, I really want to recommend that you, that you uh, listen to it online because it's just such a powerful, powerful message. And all the way through the... Um, the New Testament, there's this great theme that runs that says that God, that, that, that starts with Jesus and then goes through almost every book of the New Testament that says that we are to love. In fact, 59 times in the New Testament, this word, this phrase, one another, comes up. We're to love one another. We're to honor one another. We're to, to, to bear each other's burdens. We're to uh, commit ourselves to one another. We're to provide for one another's needs where someone has, uh, has a lack. There's this call, this dynamic, this, this challenge of Jesus's that we're to love. In fact, John chapter 13, verse 31 to 35, Jesus, he says this. He says, this is how all people will know that you are my disciples. Not by your power, not by your authority. He doesn't say this, but I'm just adding this in. He says, this is how you will know that all people, that all people will know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. That's the mark of our Christianity. That's the mark of, the, of who we truly are called to be. That the world would know that we belong to Jesus because they look at our love and they look at the way that we lay our lives down for each other and they go, God must be here. Because when we're talking about the love of God, we're not talking about human love. Human love runs out. Those of you that have married or, or have parents, which is probably all of you in this room, know that, that, that at some point you reach an end to the love. We can't love our enemies with our human love. It's actually impossible to do. The only way we can do it is loving through God's love. And love is so important. Paul, Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and he says this. He says, If I have the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I, have, if I know all mysteries and know all knowledge, but have not love, I am Nothing. If I, if I have faith that can move a mountain, but I have not love, it doesn't account for anything. The things that we as charismatic Christians hold as high water things, and there are good things to pursue. Paul says, pursue the gifts of the Spirit. I, I, I want more uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues. I want more knowledge and, and uh, the secrets of, of God's heart. I want to have faith that moves mountains. We, those are things that we celebrate and that we look for. But Paul's saying, without love, all of those account for deadly squat. Nothing. Just let that sink for you, sit on you for a minute. Without love, I am nothing, is what Paul says. We're to receive the love of God. We're to enjoy the love of God. We cannot live, we cannot love perfectly with our human love. 
It's just not possible. You, you see that in the world right now, don't you? In every group of every people, whether it's Christians or whether it's people of different communities or faiths or political persuasions or whatever it is, you see that where there's a call for love, there's always an end to that love. There's always a group that they cannot love beyond. There's, like when we talk, when people talk, um, there's a lot of talk in, in, in the world, in the, in the press and in other places about tolerance. The problem with tolerance, and it's, it's a genuine desire for love, but it always runs short because there's always people that, that you can't be tolerant of in your, human, in your human strength. There's always people that rub you up the wrong way. There's always people that challenge you, enemies like Ash pre- preached on last week, that, that, that don't think like you, don't act like you, don't have the same beliefs as you, and cause you to fall out of love. The only way to love everybody all the time in every direction is to receive the love of God. You can't do it humanly. But we've got good news. You don't have to do it humanly. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, who is love himself. Love isn't a force. Love isn't a, um, a, a, a thing to kind of somehow create. Love is God himself. In fact, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 3 and 4. And I'm going to just... Spend a bit of time here. Jesus in Matthew chapter, uh, while you're turning to it, let me share with you a couple of other thoughts. Jesus in Matthew chapter uh, 22 and other places, Luke 10 and Mark, somewhere else. He says this, uh, I like the way it says it in in Matthew. He said, uh, a lawyer comes up to him and he says, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus says this, he says, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. The first. The second is like this. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor as yourself without the love of God. Apparently, back in, um, yeah, as, as the Apostle John, who wrote this passage we're about to look at, and he wrote the book of John in Revelation, he, 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 when he was like in his 90s, having been on the Isle of Patmos, and he's now in Ephesus, and he's at a, a great church in Ephesus. Apparently, he was so, when he was old, he couldn't actually preach for very long, but they would wheel him in or carry him in every time they met, and he would stand up and he would say, little children, have you loved one another? Do you love one another? And then he'd wheel them out. That's all he could put out. And every time they met, he would come out and say, have you loved one another? To the point where sometimes, at one point, the, they got so frustrated with this one message guy. You know, have you ever, you know, been in a mess around someone that all they talk about is the very same thing all the time? And he's just talking and talking and talking about love. And they said to him, John, why do you keep going on about loving one another? And he said, because it's enough. It's enough. To love one another, you fulfill all of the law of Christ. So 1, uh, 1 John chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 11 to 24, and then I'm going to read verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 7 to the end of that chapter. It's a longer passage, but I think it's, it's worth reading. I actually debated it in the, uh, in the first service whether just to make my whole message reading this chapter out for about 15 times, because it's glorious. But anyway, okay, so for this message that you have heard, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 
We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. You, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Quick pause there. Ash, in her message last week, just referencing, preaching out of um, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, and, and where Jesus takes the sin from the realm of action to the realm of thought. And John's echoing Jesus here, and he's saying, it's not just if you murder, if you hate someone, it's like you've murdered taking it into the realm of the internal world. It's a scary thing, isn't it? He goes on to say, By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. For if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Just a quick pause. I want you just to notice right there from 23 to 24 that the, 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 the proof that, that all that is required for us to be saved is to believe in Jesus and to love one another. And, we, and, the, and the evidence of that is the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us who is love himself who causes us as love himself to love and confess Jesus and to love each other. That's the, tr- that's the proof of who God, of our spirituality is confessing Jesus, loving each other. Let's jump down to verse uh, 7 of chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest amongst us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, thank you, Jesus, and sent his son to be the propitiation or atonement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The implication is that the world then sees God. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe or rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. 
And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And by this is love perfected within us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Are we getting it? Love. Love. You could substitute all that passage, wherever it says love, you could substitute with God, the Holy Spirit. So we have, verse 16, we have come to know and to rely upon the Holy Spirit that God has for us. The love, because he is the love on the inside of us. And Jesus' desire, Jesus' or the Father's mission and Jesus' desire was to bring us into his love. That we would experience and know what it's like to be loved. The only way that we know that God loves us is because he's drawn near to us and he loves us. The only way that we can love God back is because God's given us his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The only way that we can receive that love from God is by the Holy Spirit. His desire for us is that he continues to pour out his love upon us, that we would get it and grasp it. Jesus, at the end of his high priestly prayer in John 17, he says, I've made the Father known to you and I will continue to make him known. The mission of Jesus is to enable us to, 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 to experience the love of God to such a great depth that we don't just have a theology and concept of it, but that we actually experience it and live out of the reality of it. The level of joy and peace that we live in is the measure of the love that we have experienced of the Father. And so Jesus has given us two jobs. You've got you and I, we have two jobs to do in this world. The first job is to learn to be loved. To remember that we're the beloved, that we are his possession, that we live in his smile, that we live in his happy thought, that he absolutely loves us. His desire for us is that we experience that love. We're anchored into that love. We're settled in that love because everything else shifts up from that bedrock. Your job is to remember and to learn that you're the beloved and to live in his love, that there's nothing that can separate you. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, sharing that just as I was preaching on joy, maybe about a month and a half ago, and, and just the Holy Spirit uh, gave this revelation to me, you know, the, about the grace of God. You know, God's always loving and gracious towards us. He never changes. He's always the same. He's always consistently loving us. And, uh, and as I was studying that, I, I looked at the words grace and joy and rejoicing, and thankfulness, and they and found out that they, in the Greek they all come from the same root word car. That same root word means this. It means to. Um, where have I gone? <laughs> Extend favor, lean towards, be favorably disposed of. God is always leaning towards you. He's always favorably disposed to you. He's always inclined to give you his love. He's always inclined to remind you that you're his beloved. 
Not because of what you've done, but because he's chosen you. He leans. He's the God that leans, not just to us, but actually to the whole world. He's, he's leaning into us. He's favorably disposed to us. And the word grace is the Lord's favor. It's freely extended to give himself away. He's always leaning towards people, reaching to people, disposed to bless and be near people. God's desire is to be as close to you as possible. That's why he sent Jesus to live on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit. You can smile about that. The word uh, joy is to recognize favor, to be aware of that grace and to go, wow, this feels so good to be loved by you. And then the word rejoicing means to be glad, to tune in and then just give that joy and excitement back. God's desire for us is that we learn to receive that we learn to be comfortable in his love, that we receive his love. All that we need for our lives is found in the love of God being poured into our hearts. You can't love your enemies without God pouring his love into you. And you'll reach the end of yourself, but that's the glorious place to reach. Because when you reach the end of yourself, you reach the beginning of Christ and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. God's, God hasn't required us to do anything that he himself is not going to provide for us. So when God says to us, I want you to love, I want you to love your enemies, I want you to love your brother, I want you to love me, the next thing that he does is to give us that love so that we can fulfill his mission for us. How good is that? How good is that? Well, I mean, you know, I find that quite exciting. <laughs> that God is going to give you what you need to fulfill his purpose. Wow. So our job is to learn to be the beloved. I love what Graham Cook says. Graham Cook says that uh, prophecy is really just passing on the affections of God to someone else. Because God's affections are always towards us. Because he leans towards us. Because the posture of his heart is to draw in. And he loves us. And he wants us to know more of his love. Let's just take a moment. I want you to just close your eyes for a minute, please. Just begin to tune in to the, to the love of God. Just tune into his presence. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you're here. And I recognize for many of us that are here, there are things that are in our lives that are, that are causing some blockages towards us receiving the love of God. It might be uh, some fear that has come up. It might be some anxiety about the future. It might be some painful relationships that you have. It might be some difficulties with your job. It might be your relationship with, an with your parents or other authority figures that's caused you the, to have a lower than good view of God. And I want you to take a moment and I want you to imagine that that fear or anxiety or whatever it is, is like a garment or a backpack. It's like an overcoat or a backpack that you're wearing. And I want you to take that backpack off. Take the cloak off. 
Take that cloak of fear or that backpack of, maybe it's a sin that you've been struggling with. Take it off. And I want you in your mind's eye as you're visualizing this, I want you to give it to Jesus, offer it to Jesus. Jesus, here's my fear. Here's my anxiety. Here's my struggle with sin. Here's my shortcomings from loving people. Here's my relationship with my husband or wife or parents. Just offer it to him. And then just ask Jesus, what do you want to do with this? What I see is Jesus taking it off you. Removing it from you. And releasing his love. Maybe it's, he's got a gift for you. Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's love. Receive it. Let that weight come off you. Let him pour out his affection upon you to speak over you. You're my son or daughter whom I love. In you I'm well pleased. Let it wash over you. He doesn't want us carrying around baggage that he's already paid for. He loves us. And his desire is to teach you that love. I love how John calls them little children. It's like kids, look what's a little kid. It's an adult in training. It's someone who's being trained, hasn't got it all right. And John's saying little children. In other words, God's desire isn't that we get it all right perfectly all of the time, but that he's offering to us the one degree of glory to another where we experience more and more and more of his love and we're transformed and become more and more like him and that we look like him and that we smell like him. Your job is to be the beloved. Your job is to know that the Father loves you and to let that penetrate really deeply. This last week I had a, an email from somebody that, uh, that really, I had, before I'd even opened the email, I started to have this like shaking on the inside. I'm like, where was that coming from? I chatted with Ash. I'm like, where is that coming from? And I realized if the Bible, John, as we've read here, John says that there's no fear in love. Everywhere that I experience fear is an opportunity for the Lord to come in with his love and perfect it. And so this, this week, I'm, as I'm tuning into this like wobble on the inside, I'm like, Jesus, what is that? This is an area that I need you to come and love. Would you please Come into my heart and kiss that part of my heart with your love that I could be free. Because he doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to be the beloved, to know that we're his affection.
How do we experience more of God's love? Well, I love worship. I just love those moments like we had today where we're just, we're so overcome and overawed with the goodness of who God is that we experience his love and everything that was on a particular plane of fear or anxiety gets reshifted and we get positioned under the waterfall of heaven and we realize that we're loved and that he's got everything under control. Soaking is like that for me as well. I love sitting in silence and just experiencing the love of God. I love to read the word that I can know who God is for me. I think it was Bill Johnson that said, who God is to you is who God is going to be through you. And so as I read the word, I'm looking for the Holy Spirit to shift things in my heart and to bring about his truth so that my experience and my heart belief lines up with the reality of who he actually is, not who people have painted him to be. And we see that in the word. I I love to get out my prophetic words and just declare this is who God's made me to be. But actually thinking about the prophetic word, the primary thing is it speaks of a God who knows me and loves me who loves to pour out his affection on me. I love to do the Abba prayers where we're just, um, I'm just breathing in Abba or Father or Daddy or Jesus and breathing out I belong to you and just centering myself in a place where I can receive the love of God. I love to pour out my heart. Psalm 62 verse 9, I think it is, it says, Trust him, all you peoples, pour out your heart for he is good. And there's something beautiful about being able to say, Lord, I'm having a really bad day. And I'm full of this anxiety. And Lord, I'm worried about this that's coming. And Lord, things aren't going very well for me here. Lord, how about this? And Lord, this is, I'm trying to get through, but I just can't get breakthrough. And there's something about pouring out your heart toward the Lord that enables him to just rush in and replace all of the gunk that you've had with his love and his goodness and speak hope to you. So there's some really practical things that we can do to learn how to be loved and to stay in the Father's love. For some of us, there's also the, um, the need, because of the trauma or the pain that we've experienced, there's actually the need that we would go and get some help from someone who's experienced, that can, we can borrow their joy, and we can borrow their skill, where we can actually, they can help us get through some of the really deep blockages to the receiving the Father's love. Maybe there's some generational things in your life that's a pattern that you're dealing with. Maybe there's some pain that you've experienced through your life, through different circumstances, parental figures, authority figures, other people where it's kind of caused you to have a belief about God or about yourself has caused you to be stuck and you're in pain. Maybe there's just demonic influence. And being able to go to someone and say, hey, listen, I need your help. Help me get through this. And we have a whole team of people, uh, a growing team, where we can, through the office, we can help you with that. But you'll, because we need to get unstuck in some places, and sometimes we just need a bit of help. I get by with a little help from my friends. And then, uh, Kate started with it this morning, telling stories. I love to tell stories about what God has done for me. I tell them to myself. It's called remembrance. All the way through the Old Testament, it, it, the, the God continually says to Israel, remember me, remember me, to remember. Why? Because what we're doing is we're tuning in to who God has been for us when we remember the stories of what he's done. 
We start to look through all the markers and the testimony. I reckon if you were to go through your life, no matter how long you've walked with the Lord, if you were to go through your life, you would be able to have testimony after testimony where you've experienced the goodness of God and where he's come through for you in a time of need and distress. It's good to go over those and tell the story to yourself. We were, uh, Duncan and I were um, in uh, 2013, we were, we, we, bought two Land Cruiser vehicles, Toyotas, in Belgium, and we drove all the way around West Africa through to Niger. It was like 10,000 K, 6,000 miles, 10 or 11, no, 9 or 10 borders that we, we crossed. The first border that we got to, we were terrified. What's going to happen? How's it going to go? Is this going to work okay? The last border that we got to, there was no problem at all. That should have been the hardest border we got through because it was the one that we were leaving the vehicles to. But it was a breeze. Because God had been training us and showing us and we'd been remembering his love so that we knew that event helped us with this event. God came through us then, he's going to come through for us now. God came through us now, he's going to come through us, come through for us again. And so to keep remembering and reminding ourselves of the goodness of God. When you're in a panic, when you're in a stress, when you're not sure, is God here with me? Is, does he love me? Remember that he does by going through those moments in your life where you've had evidence of the same. We're actually required by God to steward that, our hearts ourselves. We're to steward that, our thought life, to direct ourselves back to the love of God. And of course the Holy Spirit's awesome at doing that. He desires us to remember that we're his beloved. You, I said you had two jobs. The first job is to remember that you're his beloved. To remember that he loves you, that he's always leaning towards you, that every inclination of his heart is to bless you because he loves you, not because he has to, but because he wants to. The second job that you have is to love one another really, really well. And I've run out of time to talk about that. I'm very disappointed. But you'll have to tune in next week to hear more. Because though we haven't planned anything specifically as a series, the Holy Spirit speaking, and I happen to have some advanced information about next week. Because we've got the second job is that we actually learn to love one another. Let me say this briefly. It's not my job to help everybody. Let me back up. When we were smaller as a church, I knew everybody's names. It was great. I felt good about myself. I felt good about all of you. I still feel good about all of you. I just don't remember all of your names all the time because there's a lot of people. And we've got to that point where we're a lot of people, but we're still looking for community. We like to say that no, you can't know everybody, but everybody should know, hopefully, somebody. Because we're called to love one another. And the quality of the world, the, what the world's looking for in this community is how well they catch the fire love each other. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this. He's a German pastor and theologian through the Nazi era and then uh, was 
um, martyred in uh, World War II. He said this, those, um, actually I need to read it. And then I will wrap up. The people who are in love with their vision of community will destroy community. But the person who loves the people all around them will create community all around them. Let me say that one more time. The people who are in love with their vision of community will destroy community. But the person who loves the people all around them will create community all around them. In other words, don't focus on community for the community's sake. Focus on loving people and community will follow. And we as a people, my desire is that we, our desire is that we're a strong community and a family of love. The Bible says that we're the household of God. But the way that we do that is receiving the love of God and then loving people all around us so that we get community around us. If you find yourself not in community, start to love somebody around you, you'll find it. Great place to start is going to an Ignite group. We've got sign-ups and we can talk more about that. But anyway... I think I'm done. I'm a little late. So I want to invite you to stand. A preacher's always got more to say, right? Um, I want you to put your hand on the person next to you, if you would, if you feel comfortable with that. And uh, you can pray this really, really deeply spiritual prayer. Get them, God. Get them with your love. Fill them with your love. Fill them with your joy. Let them encounter you in radical ways like they've never experienced before. Okay, can I ask you to do something that's going to be a little more awkward? Can I ask you to look at them in the eyes? There's actually something deep about looking eye-to-eye contact. So if you look at them in the eye, and if there's people around you, look at both of them. If you're not being looked at, you can take turns. And listen, this is what I want you to say. Live loved this week. I bless you to live loved this week. Find someone else. Why not? Let's make it really awkward. Because you probably all turn to the people that you know. Now find someone you don't know and just say, look, lived loved. I bless you to live loved this week.